Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? If you listen to the last episode, we talked about food and mood and how food impacts mood and self-regulation and stress management. And it works as a preventative source to help you to function better, but also to prevent disease and help you to feel better overall and longer term. Today, we're going to shift a little bit and go into a different area of actually two different areas of stress management, which are your hydration and your sleep. So let's jump right in. Hydration, talk about this one first. Half your body weight in ounces a day, that is what we were aiming for. So whatever you weigh, cut that in half, that same amount of ounces of water, you should roughly be drinking every day. Maybe a little less if you live in a more humid climate, maybe a little more if you live in a drier climate. If nothing else, you could try eight, eight ounce glasses. So about 64 ounces of water a day, but that research is better than nothing, but not everyone weighs around 130 pounds. <laughs> so more water if you, you weigh a bit more than that because you've got more cell mass in your body that needs to be hydrated. So what happens when you don't drink enough water? Well, your you become tired, uh, your brain neurons don't fire and wire as good together, which means you don't remember things as well. You're a little groggy, which makes sense. That's why you're feeling tired and you can't make decisions as clearly and you can't think as logically and rationally. Therefore your moods get impacted. So lots of things that come from not having enough water in your body. The point is just drink more water. So how, and what do we need to know around that? Well, one, it helps to have maybe like a water bottle that is one of two things. Either has measurements on the side so you can see how many ounces are in that bottle or how much you've had. So there's like a, it's, it depends. So it's tricky. So you can either have a clear water bottle where you can just, you know how many ounces the bottle is and you can see every time you look at it, how much water is gone. So it's a good visual reminder to remind you to drink more if you see it mostly full. The other thing that you could think about is just having a water bottle where you know how many ounces are in it, but you might want something like stainless steel or aluminum or something that keeps, has like a double uh, layer of insulation that keeps your water cooler. Because if you live in a hotter climate, you're gonna maybe want cooler water. Having a clear bottle or a plastic bottle means that you've got very hot water very early in the day. And that just might be less of a motivator to drink your water. Mm -hmm. So finding the right water bottle is huge. I know it sounds silly, but 
it's like having a nice gym outfit, <laughs> the right water bottle. And just having like a, a, a bigger water bottle or one that you know that you can measure the ounces on helps to visually remind you to drink the water by, by constantly seeing that in front of you and constantly having that near you. So I don't, I don't go anywhere without a water bottle. Traveling, hiking, sitting at work, I, I always have a water bottle. It really depends on where I go, which one I'm taking. So if I'm at home, I'm going to have my insulated water bottle because it's, it's hot. Live in a hot climate. If I am traveling, I'm going to take my plastic now jean, but I take it because it has a built-in water filter. So I'm getting that airport water or God knows where else I'm getting water from. It can be filtered through the filter. I know I'm drinking clean water, which brings me to filters. So do you filter your water in your house and do you need to? Some places have really clean, really good water. You might want to get some water test strips to test your water. In Maryland, when we lived there, uh, the water was good water, but the piping in the city was old. So there was often lead <laughs> remnants in the water. In a place uh, that we're at now, the water is more minerally. So you don't necessarily taste it, but uh, not good for health long-term. It can have some detrimental health effects, uh, impacts effects so we filter our water you can filter it right from the tap if you buy a filtration system we choose to filter ours through a berkey water filter system so two pretty high-end carbon carbon filter options and there are tons of other filters um, some people will use a brita which is better than nothing you've also got an alkalized filter so you can buy a filtration system that alkalizes your water so that's an option so I would just Google filters, water filters, and see what feels best and right to you and um, see what other people are saying as well, because I might help you to guide your decision, but clean water and then a good water bottle. If you are struggling to drink enough water in a day, there are lots of apps that you can download to your phone that remind you to drink more water. You can also just put reminders in your calendar or if you have a smartwatch, you can add it to your smartwatch or you can put little sticky notes around your house or your workspace, wherever you are. But there are lots of things that can help remind you to hydrate. Let's switch gears here a little bit from hydration to sleep because there's a good shift in there in that if you are hydrated well, you will sleep better, longer, you'll get better quality sleep and potentially better quantity as well. But hydration plays a big part in your sleep and sleep plays a big part in your overall health. So here are a few things to think about when sleeping. One, don't drink water too close to bed or any liquid because it will keep your bladder active and you'll potentially have to get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and that will disrupt your sleep patterns. So try not to drink like an hour or two before bed. Also trying really hard to keep tech out of your bedroom. So no computers, no TVs, no tablets, none of all of that, which can be hard to do. So it, it might be hard to go from having those things to not. So slowly reduce like the amount of time and then one device at a time and then eventually all of the things. Try to have a separate place in your house for the TV so that you're not watching shows before you go to bed. Why, why does this matter? Because technology, scrolling social, watching TV before bed is incredibly stimulating to the brain. It <laughs> has the first sensory component, which is 
the color, the bright colors and then the, the blue light, which is really disruptive to your rest state. It keeps you very alert, active and awake. You've also got the movement. So there's that sensory component. And then you've got the, the volume or the sounds, which is a third sensory component. So three different stimulating and activating sensory components, which take you out of a rest state and bring you into a more alert state. So we don't want that. That's why binge watching shows before bed is not the best option. Trying also to not eat or drink. Now we've talked about why not drinking, but similarly for food, your body needs to go into a rest state. If it's working on digesting food because you've eaten late in the day, then it's taking up your energy. It's not allowing you to fully rest. So your system takes about 12 to 18 hours to fully digest after you eat. So I would say if you can eat dinner earlier, five, six, seven, absolutely and try not to eat anything after like eight, nine, 10. All right, let's just for a moment talk about how much sleep. So yeah, I think you probably always hear seven to eight hours. There's actually some science behind that. About seven and a half hours is most optimal. So even for the people who think they only need four, five, six hours who say they feel good, they might've built up some, some internal stamina to feel good at that amount of sleep time. But the reality is the scientific process that needs to happen and occurs in your brain cannot happen in less than three REM cycles. And because of how long REM cycles take and the time in between seven and a half hours is about the most optimal amount of sleep time that we could use or should try and get because it is the amount of time that it takes for all of these scientific processes to happen. So, so what happens? Well, the cerebral spinal fluid, <laughs> what? washes in and out of your brain. You don't really need to know what that is. All that you need to know is that this fluid washes in and out of the brain in waves during sleep, during the REM cycles. And basically all it does, and this is an important job, is it clears out the waste. It takes all the crap out. So the next day you can feel more alert. You can feel more productive. You can remember better. You can process better. So it's absolutely important to remove these unnecessary proteins from your brain and other redundant debris systems and things going on in there. So important, important, important process and needs about seven and a half hours to occur. Okay. So how do we ensure that we get more sleep? Well, first is some of those external things, taking out the technology, dimming your lights, not eating or drinking before bed, having a good evening routine. But we also want to know like, are we getting quality sleep at night? So how do we measure that? If you have a smartwatch, Apple watch, Fitbit, Samsung, any of those things, they can track your sleep. There are also apps that can track your sleep on your phone that you can um, turn on and put beside your bed that it can like hear your breathing and can record certain things. There are bands and rings and like earbuds and headsets and all these different things that can track your sleep. Even just recording sleep in a sleep tracking app is, is beneficial. So the sleepfoundation.org uh, does a study they release every year, like 2022's best sleep trackers. So check out that list. You can find something on there. I will say some of these options are definitely more expensive, but you can get a lot of the technologically advanced options used. You can get them refurbished. You can get them on eBay, on Facebook marketplace. So if you don't want to spend 
the amount of money it might cost to purchase one of these things new, you could purchase one used at a much, at a much lower reduced rate. Okay, that's enough about whew, sleep and water or hydration. Let's shift here into today's listener question, which is what do I do when my 17 year old hangs out with the wrong crowd? <laughs> Every parent's nightmare that happens to so many different parents of teens. <laughs> okay, this is a fun one. The first thing I would do is if you have a strong relationship with your teen, which I hope you do, even though that gets tested around the teenage years, share your strong feelings, share your concern, share your disappointment, share whatever it is, because we are very emotional, belonging, connective beings. We want to be a part of our tribe, whether that be our nuclear family or different friends, tribes outside of family or community or whatever it is. So naturally, when we tell them that they have done something to disrupt our homeostasis, and we state our strong feelings, that is a much greater punishment, impact, consequence than it would be to actually issue a consequence or threaten them. Stating our strong feelings is going to have a much stronger, longer lasting impact and shift and shape behavior than is telling them they can't do something, taking away their power and control, which you normally do. So think about stating how you feel. Also note that teens are developing a sense of self, a sense of self-esteem, and they need to do a little bit of trial and error. We can't protect them from every mistake that they're going to make. And we have to recognize that we can't control them, that they are their own independent beings. And we can do our best to state our strong feelings, guide them and educate them and you know, talk openly with them, but we cannot always and not even frequently control their choices. So just letting go the control and knowing that underneath your desire to have control over it is anxiety and anxiety are thoughts of the future. So you are thinking too far into the future about what you think is going to happen. And to cope with that anxiety, you are trying to keep control. And when you recognize that the control is the coping me mechanism of anxiety and you actually just need to address the anxiety, <laughs> it becomes a lot easier to deal with this issue. And the last step, open dialogues. For some people, this is really tough because their teens won't talk openly to them. And maybe that's because they feel judged. I mean, even reading this question, I'm sure if this were approached very directly, the, the, the teen would feel very judged. So have open dialogues where they are, we are doing our best to withhold judgment. And if we can't have those dialogues face-to-face, -face, can you have them? through written letters or notes or like a, a journal or a passing back and forth notebook. If not that, can you do it through text? Can you do it through voice memo? Can you do it through their preferred way of communication? Because it doesn't really matter what format you use, but just that the message is shared and heard. And if it's not heard well in person because the tone or the body language, then try and find a different way to communicate, but make sure you still have the open dialogues. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say about 17 year olds and being with the wrong crowds. Ay, 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 so many lessons learned in your teens. To wrap up the show, I am going to share with you 
the tried at home tip, which is keep a sleep journal. And I would encourage you to do this for like 30 days. And a sleep journal is just either in the morning when you wake or an evening before you go to bed, journal about your sleep patterns from the previous night. And you can write anything. It can be bullet points. It can be <laughs> sentences, but just how did you sleep? what did you dream about? what did you do before bed? What was your evening routine like? What do you feel like upon waking? And you can create even like a template of like, here's how I felt when I woke up. Here's how many hours of sleep I got. Here's what I did before bed. So you know, and track that for 30 days to look for patterns and keep the good patterns and disrupt the not so great patterns. But keep, keeping a sleep journal, journaling about it and giving it some energy flow and attention and time and like physically writing it out or digitally writing it out will really help you to make some changes and to recognize some things that you don't like versus just telling yourself like, yeah, I'll just, I'll think about it or, you know, I'll reflect on it. Having a, a consistent journal or 30 day practice or somewhere to keep these thoughts can be really, really helpful. So I encourage you to keep a sleep journal. That is it for today's episode of returning to us podcast. Remember our tried at home tip, which is keep a sleep journal for 30 days. And if you have a question that you would like me to answer in a future episode, email me at podcast at the or send a text to 717-693-7744. And don't forget to apply what you learned today by sharing it with someone else, teach it to someone else, share the episode or share with me below in the comments, what was your greatest takeaway? And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thank you for joining me.